Hi, and welcome to the Radius Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you're interested in finding out more information about Radius Church, please check us out on our website, radiuschurch.tv. Uh, if you're newer to the series, we got a few to go. We'll, we'll try to wrap up chapter 4 today. But the first three chapters of the letter to the church of Ephesus, or the book of Ephesians as we know it now, it was all about our benefits in Christ. It talked about we're seated with him, we're adopted, we're redeemed, uh, all, this, uh, all the gifts, all the spiritual gifts that God gives us. But then Paul turns a corner. I love how he does it. How I many know Paul would probably be a great salesman, right? I mean, he tells you all the things you'll get, but wait, there's more. <laughs> and, then, and, and then he goes into this thing. But then he says, look, it is a tremendous blessing being in Christ or in the church. But then the last three chapters, he begins to instruct us what to do with those blessings. And he tells us how to do church. He tells us how to raise kids. He tells us how to do marriage. He tells us how to live in society. And so now he goes to some of the practical sides that we do every single day. Now, here's one of the things I want you to remember as we dive deeper into this, that we need to remember that we are the church. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ and you're here today, you are the church. Whether you're in this room, whether you're a part of the church globally, whether you're watching online, we are the church. If you're a Christ follower, so church is not a place we go, it's a thing we are. And this room just happens to be the place that we have our pep rallies, everybody, all right? And and so we are the church. But I I, want to kind of turn the corner a little bit today. And I also want you to know that the church is here for you. We are the church, but we are here for one another. When we change the mindset that we are here for just myself, and I'm just coming to consume, but I can consume and contribute and have this divine rhythm, wow, it takes on this whole new idea. So, so let me say it another way, because I really want you to understand the benefits of being a part of a local church. Uh, I want you to imagine, one of the things we always say around here, we want you to be on the journey with us. But how many know life uh, life is a journey, right? How I many know sometimes it feels more like a mission than it does a journey, right? I have a mission to have a good marriage. Come on now. I know for all of you it's easy, but it's a, it's a mission. It's an assignment. I have a mission to raise godly kids. And the church should be the one that comes alongside of you. Let me say it another way. It's kind of like you're James Bond and you're on a mission. Come on. And you're trying to journey through life. How many of you feel like life looks like this sometimes. Uh, and those are your kids. How I many know what I'm talking about, right? Uh, yeah. Or your husband. Come on, girls. Give it up. Yeah, right? Uh, and, and, and you're on a mission. You're, you're on this journey. And the enemy's always, whoa, throwing things at you. I can't even look at that. I'm getting dizzy right up here in front of you. And, uh, and so you're James Bond, and, and you're on a mission. Now watch this. Now, I grew up with some of the older James Bonds or, you know, those good TV shows like Get Smart. Anybody remember those? Oh, come on, where's my fans? Yeah. And he always had these special little gadgets, right? Come, the shoe phone? Come on, right? Yeah. I mean, I had a cell phone way before the iPhone. How many know what I'm saying, right? But, you, but, but he had to go into the secret room to get these secret gadgets that would help him on the mission. In other words, the gadgets or, or, or the resources were things that they would give to James Bond. <laughs> they would give 
so that he would ensure his success on the mission. Come on, I'm preaching and you don't even know it yet. You still think I'm talking about James Bond. You see, we are all on a mission in life, and God has given every one of us an assignment. And the church is supposed to be the place that you can come and get resourced for the particular mission that you're on. The church ought to be the place that you come not only to discover your purpose, but then to make a difference. And we put the tools in your hand to help you accomplish what God has called you, all right? If we're not doing that, then all we are is a club. If we're not doing that, then we're just having these pep rallies and these meetings, but we want to equip you. So when we talk about things like next steps, we don't do next steps because I'm bored. How many just have an imagination enough to know that I'm really not sitting around Monday through Saturday bored? Would anybody guess that? I'm not like, wow, I can't wait for Sunday to get here. No, we do next steps because we want to put resources in your hand because you chose to be on a spiritual journey and we want to help you on the journey. You see, the, the, the pastor of the church is not the hero of the story. I'm the guide that's helping you discover the resources that you need so that you can be the hero of your own story. I know you think it's Jesus. No, Jesus is the Savior, but he created you with greatness in you, and we want to put tools and guide you in a way and not do a bunch of random stuff. But do things that are on purpose. So next steps is not just something we do because it's July and I don't know what else to do with my time. And so next steps is not about us. Next steps is about you. Life groups is not about us. Life group is a resource that we're putting in your hand to encourage you to get in circles with other people, everybody. Because everybody's going to need somebody Sometime, right? And kids' ministry is not a babysitting club. It's there to arm you parents to survive. If we don't give you tools, they're going to overtake you. How many feel like it's coming on, right? Uh, yeah, and we have a parent hub back there and resources, and our teachers always come prepared and ready and given memory verses and lessons. It's not a babysitting club. It's a ministry center to help come alongside parents. Are you guys hearing what I'm saying today, right? Sunday services aren't random. They're here to equip you on the mission of life so that you will win in the purposes of God. Are you hearing that today? Now, so far that sounds great, but I know there's some theologians out there that want me to prove that biblically. Well, I'm going to prove it biblically in Ephesians chapter number 4 because we already know that Jesus is the one that established the church. And he said the gates of hell will not prevail. And then Paul teaches us in Ephesians that he gave some gifts to the church to you in order that you would be successful on this journey. You guys with me? And we call these the five-fold ministry gifts. He gave more, but these are the five kind of foundational gifts. And I started a couple weeks ago breaking them down and contextualizing them into modern language so we understand these, these Bible words and how do they really fit today. So God gave these five gifts, but Ephesians 4.11 says, 
So Christ himself, the founder of the church, so Christ himself gave, and he gave these five-fold ministry gifts. Now, if you were here a couple weeks ago, I compared that to the man with the withered hand that got healed. Five is the number of grace. Five-fold ministry gifts. Five fingers on your hand. And every time we take one of those away, the hand gets uh, weaker. Everybody following me? And so the whole idea was that God would restore the strength of the hand or the five-fold ministry gifts. And so God gave apostles. That, that's one of the resources you ought to be able to get in a church. If these five-fold ministry gifts aren't evident in your church, whether you're watching online or you're visiting today, find a church that has all five-fold ministry gifts operating because those five gifts are to help you, James Bond, on the mission. And so he gave apostles, I'll, I'll break it down, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers, all right? So we don't want the church to look like T-Rex. How many remember that, right? Uh, T-Rex, isn't he an unusual looking character? He, he has a big old mouth and tiny little hands, right? And unfortunately, a lot of times this is what the church looks like. We got a big mouth and we got a little hands, let me say it another way. We're loud and proud about what we believe in, but we're small about what we do. That's why we do serve days, because I think the world is tired of hearing our big mouth tell them that God loves them and ready to see some action that we do love them. Come on, right? Okay. So if we don't have the five-fold ministry gifts, then our hand is shrunk, and we got a loud voice, and we have little works, all right? So, um, so the five-fold ministry gifts are, number one, he gave apostles. Now, I already did uh, a teaching on this. I won't repeat a lot, but for those of you that weren't here, um, the apostle, the apostle is like a father. Now, in all of these gifts, there is the title, okay, but there's also the gift. So in the New Testament, the title was apostle was somebody that had been with Jesus, wrote a book of the Bible, seen a miracle, that kind of thing. But the gift of the apostle is the father. It's the father uh, anointing or gifting in a church. You need that in a church because without this role, we are a fatherless church. How I many know we already live in a fatherless society? We don't need to come to church and have more of absence of what we already have out there. You following what I'm saying? So there has to be, the apostle is the father. The father is the one that said, he, he, the father should be the one that sets the order of the house. Sets the rules of the house. Come on, where's my dad's at? Not in this house you ain't. Come on, dads, where are you at? Leave a brother hanging up here like that, right? I mean, uh-uh, not in this house, right? That, that, it, it's the same role that God gave Adam when he gave him the garden. Look, here's what I want you to do over your house called the Garden of Eden. Don't let the snake in. Stand at the gate. Watch, watch, and watch over the house. So without this role, we are a fatherless church. And one of the biggest problems we face in society today, even as a church, is those that come in with father wounds. And, and, and I already talked about all that on week number one. Uh, but we can't continue to let that happen in the church. Because we live in a society that's been over-mothered and under-fathered. And what happens is we come into the church and we expect the same thing. In other words, we want the nurturing of mother, but we don't want the discipline of father. Ah. In other words, we love good preaching, but we don't want good pastoring. Come on now. But none of you are that way. 
I got, I got more ouches than I got amens. I'm not sure. No, but this is a serious thing because we've reduced church to, if they preach good, I like that church. Y- yeah, but are you willing to be perfected? Are you willing to get on the journey? Are you willing for, to have some accountability, some coaching, some mentoring in your life? That's why we place such a high value on our men's ministries and bringing men together so men can be men. And the ladies love when men are men because they're better husbands and they're better fathers. Come on, everybody, right? Okay, and that's why we do that. Number two is he gave prophets. Now, prophets, if you grew up in church, you think of this guy. Uh, I gotta change my definition because I'd say an old guy with a long gray beard and more and more. (laughs) Thus saith the Lord. Okay, I mean, you know. Okay, so, you know, I have feelings. You don't have to laugh quite that hard, okay? So, anyway. The prophet, like where does the prophet fit in modern day church? Well, the prophet without accountability and correction we don't learn. The prophet was there not to say thus saith the Lord. The prophet's first responsibility was to bring accountability. And so to be a healthy church, or watch this, to be a healthy individual in the church, we have to have accountability in our life. Come on, are you guys hearing what I'm saying? And and this happens through the relationships that we provide. We provide on-ramp. I can't make you have a friend, but as a pastor, I can make sure there's an on-road so that you can go to a house and go to a dinner and go to a, not a row, which we do on Sunday, but go to a circle and sit in a circle and have coffee with friends. And it's in those friendships that we're uh, discipled. It's in those life groups that we begin to be accountable one to another. Come on, how many know you can hide in this group? Mm -hmm. You you, you know who you are. Come on, you sneak in late while the song's going, and you sneak out while I'm still trying to pray over someone's soul. Come on now. And you wonder why you can't make friends in the church. Come on, somebody, right? Okay. And so without accountability, we're not looking for perfect people, but it's great having people on the journey that are willing to be perfected, for willing to let somebody see the blind spots in their life. How many know everybody in the room has a blind spot except you? How many know? Ah, I thought I'd catch you on that one. All right, all right. So, right? Let me say it a little tougher. It's 4th of July, so you got to give me a little more grace, right? Okay, I heard one, yeah, that's all I needed, all right? It's people that are willing to not just show up, but it's people that are willing to grow up. See, I want you to be more than, uh, see, the success of Radius is not about how many people show up here on Sunday. I mean, it's 4th of July weekend, look around, and I see like 15 empty chairs. Um, and, and, And so it's not about how many show up, it's about how many people are on the journey, and they're growing in Christ. They're always taking one step. Whether you've been serving God for 30 years or 30 minutes, you're always taking another step in your maturity in Christ, right? You're on the journey. Come on. Yeah. Uh, Number three, we didn't do this one yet. Uh, Number three is the evangelist. He gave the evangelist. Now, I grew up in a day where we had outside evangelists come to the church and preach. Anybody remember those days? And and we'd we'd have revival meetings. It wasn't revival, but we called it that, all right? It was a week long of meetings that didn't always feel like revival, but it was a guest evangelist. That isn't as popular in the church world today, but the gift of the evangelist needs to be relevant 
and happening. It's one of the reasons we give you an opportunity to know Jesus at the end of every single church service. And do you know now for over a year, we've had somebody commit their life to Christ every single Sunday now for over a year. Can somebody give praise to God? Amen. Okay, but I want you to see evangelism because Christians, we like to reduce things to programs. Evangelism is not a program. It's not a class that you take and here's how I talk to somebody to win them to Christ. It is not that. It's more organic than that. It's more spirit-led than that. It's a gift. Come on. When you treat it like a program, that person you're trying to win to the Lord feels like they're being sold. And how many knows that people don't want to be sold, right? Come to my party and you pull out Tupperware. You know what I'm talking about, right? Okay. And so... Sorry, Tupperware lady. That is not even a thing anymore, is it? Okay. All right. I'm an equal opportunity offender. All right. So anyway, Matthew 4.19. I just want you to see this progression. I'm not going to spend a long time on this, but Matthew 4.19. Here's the words of Jesus. He said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. That ought to be the progression of every single person. That you show up to a church on a Sunday, and at the end of that service, somewhere you're going to hear Jesus say, follow me. If you're here today and you're not a believer, the Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. John 3, 3, unless a man is born again, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. And so you're going to hear some way Jesus say, follow me. The choice is yours. You can say, no, not today, or you can say today, follow me. But notice the verse doesn't stop with follow me. The next thing Jesus says, and I will make you. In other words, he's interested in you becoming something more than what you are right now. When he met Peter on the shores, he, fishing shores, he met Peter and he says, your name is Simon, but you will be called Peter. He says, your name is Simon, which means to vacillate. In other words, you, you don't stand solid on nothing. But you will become Peter, and that's a rock. You're slippery right now. You're slippery Sam right now, but you will become the rock. You know what I'm saying, right? So he's always trying to take us from where we're at to where he originally created us. That's why church attendance is important. That's why life groups are important. That's why next steps are important. That's why fellowship with the believers are important because it's the process of God making us something. Come on now. Are you guys with me? All right. And then he says, and then he said, doesn't even stop there. What I'm trying to make you is part of the family, fishers of men. I want you to be on the mission. I want you to be a part of something that is bigger than yourself. Sounds a lot like what we have on our wall over here. Know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you want to know the vision of Radius, that's it right there. We keep it in big, giant letters. We incorporate it all the time. You want to know our plan, God's plan for our life? He wants you to know him. Not just to know him, but to find freedom. Not just to find freedom, but discover purpose. Not just to discover purpose, but to be a part of something like a serve day, like a local church that is bigger than myself. Come on, everybody. I get fired up about that, right? Uh, unfortunately, well, not unfortunately, but the progression is, first of all, we have attenders. And attenders, do I have that at all? We, we have attenders. Now, let me tell you what an attender is. That's great. There's nothing critical about a, a tender. In America today, the average attender of church, the average Christian, Christ-following attender of church, attends church 1.2 times a month. That's the regular attenders. 
Yeah, I don't understand how you, like, did you walk out after 20 minutes on the 1.2? I'm not, I don't know how those stats work. I'm just the reporter, all right? You know, like, okay, I'm done. See ya. Uh, you know, okay, I got my quota. Um, and, and let me just say this. It's okay. We're not throwing stones at anybody. I'm glad that attenders come. Attenders are usually just consumers, and that's okay. Uh, again, I'm not throwing stones. I'm glad you're here. Uh, because I had these two little munchkins that were consumers that came into my house like 31 years ago. And all they did was consume. Well, they left some deposits too. But all they did, uh, they just consume, consume, consume. Wake us up at 2 in the morning. Consume, consume, consume. Right? But eventually, come on now, they have to become contributors. Or they're going to get kicked out. How many know what I'm saying, right? Okay. Now, we're not going to kick you out. You're allowed to come here and be a consumer, be a 1.2 time or a month. It's okay. We're happy you're here. We're super glad you're here, all right? But then there comes a point where we can graduate into engagers. Engagers are those that are actively involved in their own spiritual journey. They don't just crack the Bible open on Sunday. They happen to crack their Bible open on Monday. They're engagers. They're involved in discipleship. They're involved in the I will make you part. They're the people that come to life groups. They're the people that come to next steps. They're the people that come and get more and more because they're in the process of being molded and they realize they need more of God to counteract all the junk they've been through than a 50-minute service on a Sunday morning. Yeah, all right. And then, I love these people. They're, they're the multipliers. The, the multipliers are the fishers of men. The multipliers are the ones that are contributing. The multipliers, when we talk about the gift of evangelism, I'm not even talking about sharing your faith. I'm talking about those that are on the dream team that help us create an atmosphere so that we can share the message of Jesus. Come on, you had to walk through some bubbles to get into church today, huh? I mean, what a welcoming party that is. I hope they mop it up. It could be slippery. We could have some broken ankles. But anyway, it's the multipliers. It's the people that serve the coffee. It's the people that minister to the kids. It's the people on what we call the dream team. There, there's the gift of evangelism helping there be resources for James Bond who's on his mission. You guys still with me? Can I go a little farther? All right, here comes some of my next ones, all right? Number four is he gave pastors. This is my favorite. I love this one. I'm a gift. No. All right. Here it is. I'm making fun of that, but the truth of the matter is it's not talking about the title of a pastor. It's talking about the gift of a pastor, the gifting, or if I could use a churchy word, the anointing of a pastor that should be prevalent in the resource center that you're coming to because we need pastoring. We, we, need, we, we need to be cared for from time to time. We need to connect from time to time, right, everybody? And so it's not a title. Some of you call me pastor, but I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about the title. I'm talking about the gift that ought to be in the resource center. It ought to be active. You ought to be able to see that gift operating in the house. Um, and so there are those that are here in this room that have a greater spiritual gift of a pastor than I do. 
Okay, um, I would be more the apostle, the father, that we kind of launch this thing. We set the rules of engagement. But there are those in this room that you operate more like a pastor than I do. Some of you that lead life groups. And some of you, like I think about Larry and Jean. Larry and Jean are always going over and caring for people and connecting people to different life groups, going to hospitals, praying for people, meeting people over at the cross. That's the gift of a pastor. That ought to be relevant. And, and, and obvious in the place that you're coming to pick up your special gadgets for the mission that you're on. Right. Mm-hmm. And we have others. I, I, I was talking to Pat and Glenice this morning. They, they just have such a pastoral gifting on their life. Got people over at their house all the time. How many of you have a just drop by anytime kind of policy with your house? Let me just see your hands. You are weird people. I'm just telling you. <laughs> I don't have that. If you drop by my house unexpected and the doorbell rings, I'm going to hide. I'm going to like, who's at the door? Right? I'm just not wired that way, all right? But if you make an appointment, we'll have a good time, okay? If you don't, I'm sicking Fido on you, all right? No, I'm just having a little fun. What I'm trying to say is there's those that are so caring and compassionate and want people around all the time. There's shepherds, there's pastors, and we can provide that. Watch, let me just say it another way. There's a big difference, church. We've got to grab this between a care provider and a caregiver. The apostle will set up systems to make sure everyone has a process where they can be cared for. A pastor will be the one giving the direct care. But how many know a pastor can only care for a certain size group at a time? And by the way, if you look around here, times two, times three really, that group has already outgrown my abilities as a pastor. Oh, I thought you'd get quiet. I was hoping you'd really cheer in this part. (laughs) See, it takes a lot of pastors in a church like this. The gifting of a lot of pastors. In other words, there needs to be a lot of little churches inside the big church if we're going to continue to reach the valley that God has called us to. Otherwise, we can play holy huddle and have about 50 people in our church and sing Kumbaya every Sunday. But I think God's plan for us and you and your family is bigger than that. Can anybody help a brother out up here, right? Okay. Now I'm going to give you, I want to give you a quick illustration on this. And and I'm not saying this at all so you think, oh, poor Ken. Uh, I I really thought about this. I threw it out, I put it back in, I threw it out, I put it back in, and I threw it out and it's back in. So here it is, all right? So... (laughs) So I'm, I'm, I'm purely giving this illustration because I want you to see that God gave pastors, not a role, a gift. It's here. It's here and it's represented by many of you. If you wonder if you have that gifting on your life, come to Next Steps. We'll help you discover that, all right? Um, so I had a guy come up to me, and this has been months ago, so it's... There's enough distance between you don't have to look around and go, is it him? Is it him? Okay, so I had a guy come up to me. And asked me, he said, hey, could we get together this week? Now, that's a short window, right? This week. I mean, some of you might be able to just, yeah, this week's wide open. Uh, I'm usually not. And, 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 and he said, could we get together this week? And I said, well, maybe. Could you email the church with some days? Because I'll forget because I'm in the middle of preaching. 
And, and, and he said, well, I don't get off work till 6 o'clock in the evenings, and I only have between like 6 and 9. So basically what he was doing was giving me about 15 hours throughout a whole week that I had to fit my schedule to meet his. And he said, I got to get together this week, and I asked him what it was about. He said, I just need some male influence in my life. I said, man, that is great. That's my language, and, and, and I want to help you if you could email the church. And he said, well, I just know I have between six and nine. And I was honest with them right up front. I think sometimes we would rather people lie to us than be honest with us. Because I said this. I said, look, I know already I don't have a night this week open, but I'll tell you what, if you'll meet me here Tuesday night when I do my men's discipleship class, I will introduce you to one of our elders, one of our table leads, one of the great men of this church. And, and he said, well, I wasn't asking to connect with somebody else. I was asking to connect with you. And I realized right away that we have a wrong idea of the church. Friends, I'm not trying to shun my responsibilities to you, but I am not that good. <laughs> I'm really not. I'm not the hero of the story. I'm the guide that can make sure there is ministry available in the church and direct you and guide you to those areas, right? Come on, you got to hear that. I didn't make that. Here's what he didn't know. Sunday afternoon, I had an elder's lunch. By the way, I have one again today. And, and then I'm not saying I don't care. Right after I'm done with my elder's lunch, uh, Roger, I'm going to go over and see your son in the hospital. And, uh, and we need to be praying for Matt, everybody. I probably shouldn't have said that publicly without permission. So just pray and don't say anything, all right? And, uh, and, and, and so, but what that guy didn't know is Sunday afternoon, I had an elder's lunch. Monday night, I had a trustee meeting. Tuesday night, I had men's life group. Wednesday night, I had next steps. Thursday night, I had a Zoom meeting with some other pastors. And Friday night was my date night with my wife. And you're not coming between me and my wife. Thank you, Jesus. All right. And Saturday is my Sabbath. And let me just say, this is the best me there is. Ask my wife. I'm not this good on Monday. Okay. This is the best I have to offer you. Does that make sense? The church has got to be bigger. This is God's program. He said, this is what I gave to the church so that we could be built up. All right? One more time, let me say it. I'm not the hero of the radius story. I'm the guide. I've never seen Star Wars, but does that mean I'm Yoda or something like that? Uh, I don't know. All right. So and let me say one more thing on this. Come on. Let, let me... Let me, let me tell you one more thing on this. If you treat me like the hero of the story, listen, if you treat me like the hero of the story, you're going to be disappointed. You will. Because I won't show up when I should. I won't say the right thing. I won't agree with the opinion. I'll vote different than you. If you treat me like the hero. See, God never intended for men to be the hero. He let us be the hero of our own stories and gave us the church to resource us, and he's the Savior. Come on, everybody. Now, we can provide all this through life group. We can provide this through pastoral care. We can provide this through prayer teams. And all I want to say on this is let's not be addicted to a person, but let's be open to the role or the gift that God gave to the church, not for one superstar, but for the body of Christ. 
Okay, let me do one more, all right? Here's the fifth one. Everybody okay? Take a deep breath, all right? All right, here we go. Number five is he gave teachers. So these are the five gifts in the church. They ought to be, they ought to be functional. You ought to be able to see them functioning in the church now that we understand them. So he also gave teachers. Uh, I heard it said that preachers proclaim and uh, uh, prophets exclaim and teachers explain. I kind of like that, all right? One of the things we kind of stumbled into that I want you to know is going to become a full-time thing, we stumbled into these Wednesday nights. It's kind of like the old-school Wednesday nights. We, we, in the staff, we always say, what's on Wednesday? Because we've had men's discipleship on Wednesday. We've had next steps on Wednesday. Jake has taught foundations on Wednesday. We've done apologetics on Wednesday. And so where we're leading with this is why not just continue to have a curriculum to help teach on Wednesday? nights. Um, and so now it would be great if we raise up enough leaders to have children's ministry available on Wednesday nights so you can come to something and not worry about child care. Hello, parents. And youth ministry happening on Wednesday nights. And while you're dropping off your, um, your teenagers, um, you can also come and learn something, right? Right? So what's on Wednesday? And, and, and all of those things, um, our table leads and all the things that we can do to help coach and to teach and to give you a better foundation. Um, one, some of the things we do around here, we do sermon series on parenting, on marriage, books of the Bible. And, and by the way, uh, children's ministry, again, is not child care. Let me do a little pastoring right here. That's why we've recently instructed all of our children's ministry team, we have instructed leaders to tell you when your kids are naughty. Yeah, say that. Because if we don't do it, if we, if we don't do it and we just smile and hand you little Johnny back, oh, Johnny, how was it? He was great. No, he wasn't. He terrorized every other kid in the whole place, <laughs> tore down the curtains. Uh, you, you know what I'm saying? Listen, if we don't do that, then we're not coming alongside of you as a parent and saying, Johnny might have a devil. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> we need to have a meeting over John. If we don't tell you the truth, then we're not arming you with the resources you need to raise good, godly children. Come on now. So if you get mad because we told you Johnny, you know, cut some kid's hair off in children's church, right? Okay, we're here to help and grow and develop your child and come alongside of you. Okay, so I got to hurry because we got some things for you out there. I told you it was going to be very pastoral today. How many of you are uncomfortable? Let me just see. Yeah, you're so uncomfortable you won't raise your hand. All right. If we don't make sure these gifts, watch this, please hear this. If we don't make sure these five-fold ministry gifts are in the church, then we become T-Rex. Right. Big mouths. Listen, in America, we know how to do church. We know how to do the songs. We know how to do the lights. We know how to pre... We, we know how to do church as far as put on a performance. I'm not interested in a performance. I'm interested in a body of Christ that has big hands and a loving heart, and a gentle, graceful mouth. Amen, everybody? Okay. Now, so far, that's my opinion, kind of, but why is that so important? Here's why it's important. Christians, please lean into this. And if you're here today and you're just searching, give us just a minute, all right? Christians, this is why this is so important. Here's why we have to have the five-fold ministry gifts. To equip his people. 
Are there any of his people here today? Okay, to equip his people. Equip us for what? Glad you asked. For the works of service. For the works of service. To be a contributor. Why does God want you to be a contributor? How many know he can populate heaven without us? Right? But he wants you to know the joy of being a part of something that is bigger. Remember when we were remodeling this building? Didn't we have a good time? Did we leave bleeding? Yes. Some got stitches. And that was only a few that I hit. I mean, other, no, I'm just kidding. Some got stitches. Some got blisters. Some were tired. It was inconvenient. But those are the things we talk about. Because there's something great about coming together for the works of service. How come? So that the body of Christ may be built up. All the things we do, serving coffee, watching kids, parking cars, all the things that go on around here is for the works of service. Why? So that the body of Christ can come to an environment and grow in Christ and get the resources. Come on, James Bond, for your mission. Because there's some really bad, bad guys out there that are trying to rob, kill, and destroy your mission in Christ. Come on, let's go on. It says, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. Why? Attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Uh, go on. I think I got more. No, that's it. Until we all measure. The, uh, uh, do I have any more on that? Yeah, that's it. Okay. Oh, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind. Let's go back. Why do we have those? So we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth every time a pandemic hits. Every time another election comes. Every time they're laying off at our company. Every time Junior got in trouble at school. Every time your, parent, your, your family quit inviting you over for the holidays because you're a fanatic. See... These tools are so that we're strong when life attacks. And so we don't go crazy when something's going on. Come on, I'm trying to help you. My name's Ken. I'm trying to help you out, all right? Okay, watch this. Uh, blown here and there by every teaching. How many know there's a lot of teachings going on? So a lot of cunning and craftiness, people in their deceitful scheming. Okay, you can read the rest. Okay, so let me wrap it up with this. The ideas of pastors being hired to do the ministry is unbiblical and it's unhealthy. Mark, it's great to have you and Susan home. You've done seven retreats so far this summer for pastors all across uh, America and more. And, uh, And what they're seeing more than ever is pastors burning out. Why? Because they have the mentality that they are hired to do all the work of the ministry and they're burning out. Suicide rate is at an all-time high. Why? That is not God's gift to the church. That is not how the church is supposed to operate. I'm not the church. We're the church. Come on, everybody, right? And you got nine more to go or something like that. Okay, pray for them. All right. See, we have reduced the church to a bunch of paid performers and watching spectators when God very clearly has given all of us gifts. Romans chapter number 12, i got to close with this. For just as each of us has one body with many members, right? And these members do not all have the same function. We don't all have the same function. Not everybody's on the platform today. (laughs) But this is what I do the best. 
And, and, and I disappoint a lot of people because you think I'm as equally good at something else as I am at this. Some of you are disappointed because you think I ought to be better at this. Well, that's your opinion. All right. So, so in Christ, we, though many, we form one body. It takes a whole lot of people. And each member belongs to all the others. And so when you're absent, if you chopped off my fingers today, my, uh, my body would be in pain. My whole body wouldn't function the way it ought to. Watch this. This is going to be gross. But if you chopped off my hand and left it out in the parking lot and we came back a week later, my hand would still be there. Now, here's the thing. My body would be in pain, but everything else on my body would still be functioning and growing. The hand wouldn't. So stay connected to the body. Right, everybody? And we have different gifts according to the grace given to each one of us. Well, there's a whole lot more. Um, if I could just read uh, just uh, uh, Ephesians 4.23. I'm just going to read it and let you go. Ephesians 4.23. Give me that long uh, uh, section of verses if you got it. Uh, I think it's uh, uh, verse number 25. Give me verse 25. There we go. Therefore, each of you, I'm, I'm giving you a homework assignment now because I'm all done. Each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. For we are all members of one body. Mm. In your anger, do not sin. Doesn't say be, not be angry. Okay? Thank you, Jesus, for that. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry because it will grow roots of bitterness. And do not give the devil a foothold in our lives. Um, there's a lot there. Um, uh, but he says, he, he later in the chapter, and I'm going to close chapter 4 with this. He later in the chapter says, now because you know this, quit living life aimless. Quit just doing life haphazard. Just quit meandering through life and know that you're on a mission. I've created this thing called the church where you can go get your special gadgets. And I've made sure the church should be supplied with at least five-fold ministry gifts so that you can be successful on your journey in Jesus Christ. Yeah. Amen, everybody? All right, I'll end right there. I'm going to end right there. All right. Would you stand with me all over this place today and let's close in prayer.